Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Kami Bureau Field Report. The Kami Bureau Field Report, of course, is a member of the Believe Podcast Network. Believe spelled B L E A V. Yeah, another opportunity time to uh, explain to everybody that the name of the podcast is not Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. It's just the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, believe is a cool way to say believe, I think. Uh, and that's what the network chose. Anyways, on to uh, our great guest this week, uh, darling of the LA comedy scene, um, a, a podcast magnate, should I say? Uh, host of uh, Views from the Vista, uh, the Male Gaze podcast, and uh, Who's Your God, and a great stand comedian himself, Steve Hernandez, everybody. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you, too, man. How is it going? How's quarantine? Where are you stuck at? I mean, who knows how long it's going to go. <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I uh, I bartend too. I bartend at the Chatterbox where I have my weekly show mm-hmm. for about thirteen years now. Uh, I work on Thursdays and Friday nights, right. and so I've, I've been unemployed there for six months now. So wow. it's mostly good. I'm very happy. You know, uh, Julia Loken, my partner, and I we get along very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of good times. Um, but you know, yesterday was Labor Day, and it was one of those ones where. I just wanted to punch a window out. Uh, yeah. So, well, why yeah, specifically? Just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's so many rough. reasons to punch a window out. Nothing. Not none of the none of the usual reasons, like uh, the city council or Black Lives Matter or anything like right. that. Uh, just tired of of the way we're, we've been living. But uh, overall, right. I'm I'm very blessed and I, I'm very uh, happy to be here. Yeah. My apologies, man. It's been so long. I forgot to name check chatterbox it's been so long i mean uh it's been written as like one of the best shows in la almost one of the best shows in the country um every sunday in covina at the chatterbox um it's one of the comedian's favorite shows to do yeah uh we celebrated 10 years in june by not celebrating (laughs) Uh, really like pour pour one out we took the crew we actually um took the crew uh, and took some pictures and stuff. Our, our photographer, a guy named Joel, met us there, and we just took a bunch of pictures in the uh, parking lot. Right. But uh, And it was nice to see everybody. But, right. yeah, we had, a, we, had a, um, a, we had a compilation album planned. We got most of it, but we're right. kind of just sitting on it and just waiting to see, like, it's not the best product we can have, but I also just don't know if we're going to be able – I don't know when we're coming back, so – we might just put it out like that, and or we just might wait the year or so that we need uh, yeah. before uh, things are getting back to normal. Right. Oh, that's exciting that there's an album. I mean, a lot of people got tripped up right when lockdown happened. I mean, um, there's like half of those Conan specials that were supposed to come out on HBO Max that got – they had to be delayed. They – yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I just got asked to do my first outdoor comedy show. Oh yeah, where? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's in Eagle Rock. Um, I forgot who's putting it on, but she right. took a picture of it for me, and it looked great. It looked kind of like in a park and at right. a kind of like a stadium-looking thing. So I was like, right. okay, 
I, I wanted to say no, <laughs> but, I, but I, I mean, I'm not worried about, I, I think Julie and I had it very early right. on where I'm right. positive about it, but we couldn't get a test at the time. So I'm right. not, I'm not that worried about getting sick, but right. I, it's just been so long. And I stopped saying, I even stopped saying yes to zoom shows. I think when sure. black lives matter kicked off, Right. but uh, I, I was uh, texting with Luke Schwartz uh, last week and he was like, yeah, they're fun. You should start doing them again. I was like, yeah, I guess so. And so, yeah, yeah I'm going to do my first live one, and I'm already booked for a few Zoom shows next week. And this is the new reality, so we've got to come back to it and figure out our way. For now, man, for now. I don't like acquiescing to people saying it's the new normal or like – because we'll – it eventually – I don't know when eventually is, but eventually we'll get back to packing people into – crowded venues and doing it like yeah, i hope so to. yeah i hope so yeah man um yeah we have to <laughs> i constantly think about with outdoor shows like how illogical that is compared to what we've been told what makes a good comedy show like it should never be outside it should be never during the like daylight hours it should never be like the crowd should never be far apart you know uh, I mean, truly, if you really want to be safe outdoors, like, I mean, either everybody gets their own microphone or nobody gets a mic. Um, yeah, I bet you they'll have the, I, I don't think they'll have a mic. If we do have a mic, I bet you the host will probably be uh, wiping it down between things. Yeah, I guess the, everything we're doing right now is kind of just like having sex with a condom on. Um, so, like, it's, I guess it's kind of close. It's pretty cool still. Yeah, uh, but it ain't the real thing, Paul. I mean, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not like you know. It's not like really. You know, the, the yeah. real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I I was lucky enough. Ron Funches did this like live stream on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch that? I didn't, but uh, I Johnny Pemberton and I uh, watched Blair do it. Just me and Johnny watched Blair do her set in his backyard last week. Oh, that's great. It, it was, I was one of 10 people that got like snuck in to be the live audience. Like, so there was actual, they got to play to people and it was very weird, man. I mean, you know, when you normally go into a comedy show, um, you know, you're not checked in with like a temperature gun. There's not like silence and sheer darkness for like 30 minutes while you wait for the show to start. And then some guy's like, all right, we're going to start. <laughs> and then the host comes up cold <laughs> and just like, okay, you know, there's a pandemic happening, but thanks for being the tiny audience here. Oh, that's cool. That's great that you got to see it live. I'm sure it's still great, right? Oh, yeah. Is I mean, it was, it's like, we all know that we miss it. But then when you get to actually do it like that, you're like, oh, man, I so missed this. Yeah, those three comics, Blair, um, Ron, and uh, it was Gabe Baker, right? Yeah. yeah, they're all so great. And you forget what a huge deal. I mean, doing stand-up, I, do, I think doing stand-up comedy. Uh, forgive me, are, we gonna, are you going to introduce that new stuff first? Uh, I will, just in a sec. Yeah, I all like right, I'm, I don't want to get cooking, because I, I want to get cooking. But stand-up comedy, mm -hmm. I think stand-up comedy, not being a comedian or comedy or anything, I think it is such like a holy thing and such like a Jedi Knight thing. And it has to do with like exerting energy into an audience and all those things. That's why, you know, that's what people talk shit about Zoom shows. I do think there's some good Zoom shows and it's fun, sure. but it's just so different. It has nothing to do with 
you blasting your energy into an audience and letting them yeah. feel your your presence. So that's to me when I heard that when I hear that you get to, you went to that show, I was like, ah, oh, Ron's really great at that. Blair's great at that. Gabe's great. It must have been fucking great. It, it felt it felt like stand up comedy, right? It because it was. Yeah, it really, it really <laughs> was. And they 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 were all kind of like shaking with excitement of like because they hadn't got to do anything like that since march yeah i mean that even saying yes i said yes to that outdoor show for saturday today and i was like okay well you know i really didn't want to tell i guess i don't want to tell my old jokes it's uh, the world has changed so much so i'm going to see what i can do with it but at the same time i was like oh yeah this is going to be fun i'm still going to that park and I want to rock the audience. Like it's to me, even though I don't know how to do it anymore, I know how to turn on from even my youth pastor days, I know how to turn the shit on. And that's going to be fun to look everyone in the eye and try to connect with them. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, the audiences are excited too. I went to another show. I'll just tell, briefly go over this and then we'll get to news. I, um, yeah, I was outside. It was one of those clowning shows. You know, the, uh, what I like to describe <laughs> as postmodern clowning. Sure. <laughs> The you know, all those, all those people that do, yeah, Lyric Hyperion, the clubhouse, all those people, it's, you know, interactive meta sketch, um, you know, if you really want to get technical about it, but it was so fun. We were all distant. We were all wearing masks. Maybe there was like 15 people want, like watching, but because it was during the weekend, during the heat wave, their whole idea was that they were going to like uh, rehearse a uh, show that they would do on ice. yeah and they didn't have any ice skates or anything like that they just bought like 20 bags of ice and threw ice at each other that's really funny (laughs) it's so funny and it was so stupid and because it was in a park all the chaos of the park just added to it like a dog ran through all the performers and there were just kids out and about well, you know, I I, uh, I do think uh, I was just writing about this. That's why I'm going to talk about it. But I do think coming from the ministry, what is church and stand up comedy, I do think a lot of times that money ruins both of those things. Sure. When you, whenever you introduce money into any kind of endeavor like that, you're like playing on thin ice. And I think it affects things. So even now, the idea of watching them in the park, me, I'm going to perform in the park. Even when we perform at Chatterbox, we can only pay them 10 bucks, but there's just something like this is where the magic comes from. I know that magic, of course, happens when people are paying for things, but I think this is like, oh, yeah, we're humans. This has been going on since the beginning of time where like the real charismatic monkeys would get up and like tell like a little funny story and then everybody in the village would laugh. Like this has been going on forever. Right. They, it, you know, it's interesting in that fun, Funch's um, show that I went to, uh, there was a point at which uh, he like futzed a line in a joke and uh, the director was like, hey, just take it again, Ron, like during the live stream. Yeah. And Ron was like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> this is what li- being live is. I don't want to yeah. take it again and have it perfect. <laughs> Well, even, you know, if we're talking about specials and all those things, too, the best ones are when you feel like the thing is alive. You know, Beth Stelling's special was yep. just amazing like that. Sam Jay was like that. Sam Jay's was like that. You know, I, my favorite special probably of all time, Patrice O'Neill's when he was actually talking to the audience on right. Elephant in the Room. Right. I mean, that's that's when you cap the ones that are 
done to death. You could feel it a lot of the times, right. but with all the performers we just named, yeah, that's that's fucking cool, man. Yeah, there I can't. There's a documentary that Rory Scovel did of like him um, performing five nights in a row in Atlanta at the Relapse Theater, completely improvised, not even like riffing off of topics, just like going up without anything, and that is like the closest that I've seen like captured on film like oh this is like watching stand-up for real but it's like you're watching it secondhand but because none of i mean roy didn't rehearse any of it it's just like messes with the audience so that's a documentary or that's the special see there's you know probably a disagreement on the nomenclature of it it could be counted as a special i mean they cut intercut between clips of his performances over five nights and then him outside before and after the shows seeing like what's going on but also the documentary part of it is they intertwine this sort of b story of the owner of the theater and basically you know hijacked the building and then got the like all the permits later to make it a club what's it called do you remember um i think it's called live without fear Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. I got to, they had like sort of a sneak preview at Dynasty. Um, Yeah, I think earlier this year or last year. (laughs) I mean, what is time, dude? I don't fucking know anymore. Dude, I mean, the idea of saying how long you've been doing stand-up for too, that's absolutely out the window. It like absolutely doesn't matter anymore. No, no. Yeah. Is anyone touting that? I mean, I'm glad, you know, what makes me glad about that is like people who would always like, oh, I did 2000 sets this year. And like, you get any better? <laughs> I know all that counting. I mean, I'm sure it'll come back, but I'm just saying we're all going to have to, it's where everyone's going to have to start over. I mean, but especially if you were like two years in or something, you, oh, yeah. you've lost all your chops. I have right. to imagine. So right. yeah, it's going to be interesting when we get back. Yeah, there's that. And people who've, I mean, because there, there, it's not a lot, but there are people who are like doing a bunch of Zoom mics and stuff like that and just doing comedy online that they're developing that way. And I think they're going to have to have their own reckoning when they go on stage and they do that shit because it's not, it's not the same. Well, it's all different. You know, I, I mean, I've, <laughs> I tried all the time. I always say, you know, guys, stand, people will talk shit about all these different kinds of people doing stand up. And it's like, yeah, stand up is hard, man. It is not Zoom. It is not Twitter. It's not YouTube. Nope. Stand up is like, that's why I call it a holy thing. It's the thing where it's just you and the, the people. And it's real like, right. I don't even think it's actually, most of the time, I think it's just for other comics. That's why I call it like <laughs> Jedi shit, where it's like, <laughs> We know who the best are. We know who's really good. And yeah. we know sometimes we know what, that some of the greatest are some very good ones uh, will never get famous because they, they can't pull it together personally. But oh, when, yeah. they get on, when they get on stage, it's just something else, man. Yeah. Patrice was one of those. I mean, like, like he got uh, like a window of that, but then there was just so much stuff that he didn't feel like doing or like that he was almost handed. But because of how he wanted to do things, you know. And who knows, man, if uh, if he would have been able to keep his health together, he could still be hating women, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He would, man, thinking about Patrice at this time. 
Ooh. I mean, it would have been it would have been great. Who would have he, he? Who knows? He might have grown, but he was always. I will say his particular brand of misogyny was so smart that you know I've heard specials where he's ripping the room in half, where right. he's saying like, "Come on, girls, we're just better than you." And I mean, just the room going crazy, like, ah! and it was like it was just so funny in a lot of ways. But who knows? Maybe he would have figured out to to do misogyny in such a smart funny way that it, it would have been even more amazing and maybe not who knows who knows i mean look burr's changed if you look at burr from like 15 years ago to now because he married and have a kid you know? yeah that's what i'm saying well the, here's the here's the thing would if patrice had been alive would burr have been able to change like this we don't know yeah, uh, no. would burr or or would burr have been able to influence uh patrice we don't know these things so yeah. that's what's kind of interesting about art and in artists and interacting with each other uh i do think burr would have changed he's managed to yeah. continue to stay friends with joe rogan and give him shit so <laughs> yeah he's uh he's much more of a diplomat than he lets on well you know the, the thing that makes burr great is he's he says this is kind of how i'm fucked up Mm-hmm. And this is how I've learned that that is a fucked up thing. And he does right. that every one of his specials. Yeah. And uh, like fading people by saying something controversial and yeah. like digging himself in a hole. And then he's like, but what yeah. do I know? I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's why Bird probably to me is is right now. He's probably my my favorite or the best working right now, in my opinion. I was always more of a Burr guy than a Louis guy. I never really got Louis stand up that much i I did love his show though although his show if you've seen it recently has not aged well particularly the the fat woman episode (laughs) (laughs) which always makes me laugh yeah (laughs) dude that the weekend that expose came out i listen i re-listened to hilarious and it's like oh man he's talking about himself yeah i mean i i just i i'm and i'm not saying that to say that he's not funny i have good friends who say they think he's one of that I respect say they thought Louie was one of the best of all times and that, that they've seen him just do amazing things. I personally, I was just never a Louie guy, but I did love his show. And uh, what's it called? Horace and Pete was fucking awesome. I don't know if you saw Horace and I, Pete. I didn't get to watch Horace and Pete, but it was Dude, really it's good. It's like, it's, I don't want to say it's a masterpiece, but it's very, very good. And he's, it's just basically like a 10 hour play. They right. set it up on the soundstage, like a play. Uh, I, like I said, all of this stuff, I uh, I don't know how it's aged or how I can watch it. I will tell you, and I've just said because I've said this on podcasts, is I um, somebody sent me a link to his new special for my birthday. Right. They said, "Here, I paid the five dollars. Here's the link if you want it." Right. I think I'd made a joke on Twitter or something like that, uh-huh. and I put it on. Um, and I'm not uh, I'm not this guy. I'm not like murder Louie. I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, but I also didn't know how I was going to feel about this. Right. And so I put it on mm-hmm. and he came out and he started talking and I was able to watch about a minute of it. <laughs> and then I, I just was like, I don't want to hand myself over to this guy for an hour. I was just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I, I was like, I don't trust him anymore. Right. So that's something very, I, to me, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It was interesting to me that right. I was like, I can't, do it even though i i love stand-up comedy and i'd right. love to see where he's at right now i was like i'm not oh maybe it's just right now but right. he's kind of lost my trust as an artist i oh, think yeah. he's a liar so right. to me if you're an artist the minute like 
the minute people begin to think you're a liar about your art, I think you're kind of fucked. Yeah. And your gut was right, man. I watched the whole thing. And, like, <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I watched it, Steve. <laughs> and, and how was it? I mean, the I like I had similar feelings as you, like kind of uh, watching it, and you know, the whole time it's almost like you know what he needs to do, and he knows what he needs to do, and yet he like barely does it, and by barely doing it, it's not like he really did it at all. Like he acknowledges it barely, and he barely apologizes, and it's just like. I, I, I did the thing now. I can go back to being an asshole. No. Did you see the Aziz special? Yeah, I saw the Aziz one. That seemed way too um, workshopped. Like, I mean, what do you mean? The Metallica shirt? <laughs> well, the Metallica shirt, the, like, the song that he comes into, oh, we'll have it like, you know, shot in this weird angle that we've never shot before. And uh, I, I really want to focus on talking to... Um, you know, women in the audience. <laughs> like, it's I, so manufactured. It is manufactured, but I will say, I've never been a big Aziz comedy fan. I liked his yeah. first album. He was amazing. He was a meteor at first. Uh, but I watched that special, and as contrived and manufactured as it was, he did, like, I felt like it was a pretty good special. I got so, I wanted to listen to the first 10 minutes or watch the first 10 minutes just to see what he says about it. Cause I heard he opened with an apology Yeah, he did. and then I just got sucked into it. And I thought he did. I, it was, it was my favorite Aziz special if that counts for anything, but sure. I thought he did a great job. Even if he manufactured the whole thing, which I do believe he did. I yeah. do believe that he is a sociopath. And I also <laughs> do believe, I, I also don't think he, oh shit. Why am I talking like this? I don't think he <laughs> assaulted that woman. I think he was just a ter I think he was terrible to her. And he didn't treat her like a human being. And he should have let her finish that lobster roll. What the fuck, Aziz? Uh, but uh, I don't think that – I personally don't think that was assault. And so I don't think he should be held the same. But he also was like, hey, listen, I know for who I am, I need to at least address this stuff and appear to be taking this stuff seriously. So if he's a sociopath, he's a very um, – he knows what he's doing as a sociopath. And I don't think – he should be held, you know, in the same light as Louis. Louis never even attempted to make a real apology past that non-apology that he wrote initially. Right, and he was lying right up until he got caught. Yep. Yep. Damn, man. Anyways, why don't we get on to some news? <laughs> The only reason I want you to do the news is so we could actually just let it rip because yeah. we're already letting yeah. it rip. Well, let's run through it, dude. Let's run through it. Um, really quickly, um, SNL has a new repertory cast member, uh, Ego Nguyen, um, who was one of three uh, feature players from last season. Uh, Bowen Yang and Chloe Feynman were the other two. Um, I mean, I don't even know what SNL is going to be like. I mean, considering like they, it seems so tied to politics and, you know, uh, what uh, are they going to do it? Uh, reportedly, they're going to do it back on their soundstage, but with an, without an audience, with an audience, I don't know. I mean, and that means they were, they're going to do this in like a month, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, I think it'll be fine. New York seems to be, you know, knock on wood, uh, over a, a kind of hump. So mm-hmm. if they get those good, like, coronavirus tests, go to work and head straight back, mm-hmm. I think they should be okay for a little bit. What the fuck do I know, though? I went to college right. for two years. Right. Uh, but it would, be, it would be cool to see them on the soundstage. I'm not a huge SNL fan, yeah. but it, it was very comforting to see the, like, Zoom show stuff they did. Right. I remember when they were doing it, it was just like, this is very nice. So Julie and I would watch at least a half hour of that. It would be like, it's cool to see Melissa. Right. It's cool to like have some sense of normalcy, right. especially early on. You know, nobody was leaving the house for fucking anything. Right. So if they can get back on the soundstage, I think that'll be cool. They're mm-hmm. obviously, uh, I, you know, they're terrible in a lot of ways. Uh, and yeah. they're, the way they try to do bipartisan politics is atrocious in this right. time. But... Yeah. I'd like to see them still. We still, they're still our friends and a lot, a lot of them are our friends. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the, that's the thing is that we, we don't know everybody on that show. I mean, Ego, I enjoyed She was one of those like, you know, like go to UCB players. She was like on every other UCB show. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. With sketch improv and like, she was great. And then just got plucked out when, Oh, I think she got plucked out. <laughs> oh, speaking of problematic uh, things that Lauren Michaels has done, the uh, secret black female audition you remember that <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i mean dude i'm honestly i'm surprised lauren michael is is like so much the devil and sticks to his guns yeah. i was surprised that he actually bent to the will of whomever i don't know what snapped him into it i right. don't think it was corporate pressure he doesn't seem to really uh, although it may have been because uh that's the only people he really sucks off right. so uh yeah I, it, it was and then we got leslie jones out of that yep um and then but this this newest cast or the one who's gone on to become uh, Ego for the um, full fledged cl- cast member, she just got hired last year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it, I mean, what, no matter your feelings about SNL, it's just I, it's almost interesting to see just to see what they do. You know, I mean, I, it it is predictable at this point, and you know that they're going to have to do something about the election and it has to feature Trump. Like, I mean, I will almost revel in the day where they do a cold open that has nothing to do with politics. Well, they can't. It's, I mean, we're, it's such a political climate. We, I, we are blessed truly though, that Maya Rudolph is going to be all over the fucking place for the next couple of months as, um, as Kamala Harris. So that's going to be fun. Do Do you find it weird that it's almost like, she doesn't even have a choice in the matter. Like the internet just, the internet just said, like, "Oh, it's her. She's gonna do it." Well, I hope I hope that she was able to like really come to the table with money, right. and that made make them pay because she deserves all the money in the world. So I hope she was really able to like come to the negotiation table and say, "Lauren, I'm gonna make you eat your ass on this one." So <laughs> I hope she got. I hope she's getting paid. God, why couldn't Studio 60 be like that, you know? <laughs> Did you watch Studio 60? I just watched the pilot and that's it. Uh, I saw the whole season. I think I'm due for a rewatch. It was really bad, but really good. I, me and my, my buddy, at, roommates at the time, uh, when it came out, we like laughingly watched everyone. There's this one scene where like the, the head writer and the, the producer, so Chandler and uh, I forgot, it was Chandler and somebody else was on it. But they heard about a comic, like, and they go check out a comic at the club. Uh-huh. And, like, their person's, like, hack. And you, you see later on, they're, like, getting drunk in the back. And, like, the 1230 spot, they hear, like, 
a comic saying like some jokes. They're like, what? What's mm-hmm. that? And it's like empty. And they run in the room and they're like, all right, do it. You've got this. Close it out strong like that. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's I'm, abs- I'm absolutely going to do another Studio 60 rewatch now that we're talking. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing we can get into later. But like depictions of stand up in TV and film are just so funny to me. I binge watched through Marvelous Miss Maisel and there are just is instances where she's like at a protest and like, oh, the microphone's open. I'll just go talk. <laughs> I can't with Maisel. It's what <laughs> Esther's in there and Noah Gardenswartz writes for yeah. it. There's so many reasons why I should watch that, but I think I just watched like three or four episodes. Uh, when I found out that the lead actor isn't Jewish, I was just like, I can't watch this. She's doing Jew, Jew face. And I was like, <laughs> I just, she really is. And I was uh-huh. like, I can't, I really can't swallow that. It's just like, she's cause she's very Jewish on it too. Yeah. And I'm like, but Jewish people seem to love it, so I guess I shouldn't get offended for it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they feed, it's, the show is very, very Jewish. Very, very Jewish. I, how come they're not mad that she's not Jewish? I don't know. Maybe, this, maybe it's a tolerance thing. I don't know. Maybe Brosnahan sounds Jewish enough. And they're like, yeah, you know, she's a shiksa, but whatever. <sighs> Anyhow. Um, so yeah, look out for Ego being not a feature player, but an actual full-fledged cast member. Um, next, um, here, and then we'll just, uh, move on to recommendations and we'll let it rip. Um, Ellen, uh, after all the controversy that she's, uh, kind of suffered over the last few weeks about having a problematic staff and their rumors about her being not such a great boss is set to return September 21st, later this month. And she, in a statement, said, and yes, we're going to talk about it. Oh, exciting. Thoughts? Um, it'll be fun. I'm glad they got rid of all those, like, piece of shit producers. Oh, yeah, that were racist and they had sexual misconduct allegations. Yeah. There was one. Uh, I'm telling you, <laughs> we talked about this on the male gaze, but there was one, I think, the gay guy that everything he did, I was like, oh, yeah, I would have done all those things that he did. Uh, where he, he was like, oh, how big's your package to, like, some guy? Like, another stuff. And it's funny, in the cold day of light, it's like, oh, you should not talk to people that way. But I was like, that's pretty hilarious. I don't know. That makes me laugh. Uh, but um, I'm happy for all the staff um, that they cleaned house. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they'll be, be tr- uh, treated better now. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, you know. Once you get it to be as rich as Ellen, you're going to be friends with George W. Bush. None of this is news to me. Like, yeah. and, and the fact that she's mean, I don't give a shit either. She can be right. mean. I mean, if, if, it, if it's cold, she doesn't have to be warm to anybody. Right. But uh, I do think, yeah, being sexually harassed at work is fucked up. So hopefully right. those things will change. In my opinion, though, Alan should still be able to not have to look people in the eye at her show. So I, I really right. hope that I don't know if you remember this, Jake, but years ago, Steve Harvey, something came out with him where he had like a, the exact same thing happened to him with a memo that he said, don't look me. You can't look me in the eyes. Nobody can. Oh, I remember. I, you know, I know, learned about this from who's your God. You and Amy oh, talked really? about this. <laughs> no, I, uh, that happened. And to me, I'm like, oh, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you'll, you'll have everybody trying to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, this isn't how I would run my shit. But right. to me, I'm not like, I think you could, I think you could be mean. I think you could ask people not to think. I think yelling at people's not good. But I think it might happen sometimes when you're working such long hours. Right. But nobody even said she yelled. They just said they didn't talk to her. At all. 
at all, right? Right. Yeah, I. you know, it's interesting. In her last special, she opened with a bit that commented on how rich she was, which was like, ooh, interesting. Ellen's like kind of an evil billionaire. And then she went back to being like the Ellen that we all know. And it was like, no, don't do that. Go to yeah, the thing that you are. Yeah, that that's so, you know, so many people. And I, I could see where Ellen might not want to do that because it, it would affect her bottom line so much. Sure. People like to see her dance and all the white women mm-hmm. love all that shit. But um, I don't I don't understand why so many comics aren't like don't turn villain more often because I think it's like what Jeswick does, I think. It's so funny and so amazing. There, I have a couple of friends, I won't say their names, where I'm like, what are you doing? You've got to turn villain. It's the funniest thing in the world. Everyone knows you're super hot. Everyone knows you have money. Cut the shit and just come out as the villain, and you'll get cast. You'll do all this stuff. It's hilarious. It's like not a big deal. We're in show business, so fucking put on a little show. There's got to be bad guys in wrestling. Uh, so just fucking be a bad guy and alan special what a fucking snooze fest she used to be one of the best her first her first couple of hbo specials i remember being a little kid and laughing at them so much she was so funny but once you're rich you've got no unless unless you truly want to be introspective about yourself right there's absolutely no reason i mean Chappelle manages to pull it off arguably um although what he did was amazing yeah Uh, and then chris rock to me, you know, Chris Rock's last special mm-hmm. with about his divorce and him cheating on shit was right. such a master class and oh, yeah. like a healthy thing to do to talk about who he was. He didn't need to do that. He did that because he's a fucking stand up comic. Oh, yeah, and man. I don't I don't think Ellen has that desire anymore. Right. And unlike I remember when Ellen was prepping for that special, she so she just kind of like walked out nights at Largo. Right versus rock i mean he did what a comic does he went down to the cellar worked all that shit out played rooms that he probably never thought he would have to play again you know i was that's what it takes to keep that edge (laughs) i was in new york when he was practicing for that and uh, i think it was right before he did his snl monologue i think he was gonna i I went to whiplash that night and aparna was hosting and uh rock came out and he started his set and somebody was recording it or taking a picture or something. Mm-hmm. And he looked at the guy and he said, don't put your phone away. If I see that go happen again, I'm going to leave. And the guy was like, oh, I'm just, it's just for me or whatever. And he's like, I'm not going to do this. And he walked off. So he did maybe about 30 seconds. He yeah. walked off and a partner came back on and she was like, um, maybe if we like promise. And then everyone like cheered. And then she, someone talked to her and she's like, he left. <laughs> <laughs> 30 seconds of rock at whiplash was so awesome oh, and this wow. motherfucker they she she even said specifically a partner said don't tape this you absolutely cannot record this right. so that was awesome and i like respected rock so much where he's like fuck these alt motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. i'm going back to the club <laughs> yeah you don't need i mean in either case man also yeah just just in, in, enjoy it. yeah i mean somebody like that you'll get to see you know the recorded polished version soon enough so, yeah, I'm glad Ellen's coming back. All these stay-at-home moms and shit are going to be happy to see her. So. <laughs> sure. Cool. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. I guess we'll just be dancing without an audience. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, yeah, and that first episode back, I wonder if they, she'll just dive right into, like, well, this is what happened. 
She'll make it funny. She's got yeah. good writers. She's got good instincts. Right. She'll say she's sorry and everyone will forgive her. And, you know, to be honest, too, she's just talking to the entertainment industry. These stay-at-home moms and stuff, they don't know about this shit. Yeah. Uh, until, like, you know, I think they might have heard about this, but it'll be good. It, I, I, I actually will look forward to watching that. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, have you uh, watched or heard any new comedy you'd like to recommend? Um, I don't think so. What was that one who got pulled by the guy who was a, a oh, rapist? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was great. What if I talk, what if I just couldn't stop talking about the special? James B. Crystalia. Crystalia. I mean, I bet you when and if comedy comes back, I bet you Adam over at the store is going to quit because all of his roster just keeps on fucking getting out, outed for being sexual assaulters. Mm-hmm. Rogan's going to Austin. Right. Um, He's already there. Oh, is he there? I, I mean, I saw like uh, uh, like a picture of his studio that he built out there yeah yeah i saw that pic yeah i mean he's going to he's building his own club out there that's what that's going to be very interesting to see what the what happens to the store Mm because he's taking a lot of guys with him even mid-level guys i bet you are going to be like fuck it let's go to austin uh so i don't it'll be interesting to see what happens to the store obviously there's a lot of top rated talent in this city but you know, it's been full. If you used to look at those rosters, it was a lot of white guys over 48 before. Right. So yeah. we can definitely, I'd love to see some fucking um, more top-notch killers that weren't getting the time before. It could become something great, but the cult of Rogan is not going to show up like it used to. So, Well, you know, uh, that doesn't mean, like, you know, that's sort of the, uh, I won't say problem, but it was just, how LA has been operating, LA comedy has been operating for a while is that, you know, something like the store or even UCB that's so popular, they feature all their top flight performers. They'll still perform there. And uh, so they get, you know, packed crowds and then everybody who's almost as talented or just as talented, but not famous is just waiting in the wings and they get tired of waiting in the wings. And that's why the pack theater exists. That's why the lyric Hyperion exists. The clubhouse for like, you know, there are these places, they're not charging me a lot to put on a show. I do whatever the hell I want. And uh, yeah, it's in like a strip mall or it's like in this weird coffee shop or whatever, but who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I ha- I don't think I've seen anything good. Of course, Pepitone specials, the the special to be beat. That, that's the oh, one to yeah. beat this year. Yeah, what a, if people didn't see that Pepitone special, I mean, I, I, what Eddie's managed to do is like, transform himself you know he knows who he is he knows how he's perceived he right. plays with that in a lot of ways oh yeah and he's built he's been an end time prophet forever oh so yeah this is his time if anyone's yeah. if you're hesitant to pay the six bucks or whatever to go to amazon to watch the special pay for it because it's absolutely the special to be beat this year so it is worth it and i you know so I try actually not. I try not to go to tapings for stuff because I know it'll be sent to me later, and then it's like weird hearing it again, and I don't get like a fresh read. Yeah, but I love Eddie so much, and I wanted to be part of it. Uh, the audience, and I know the director Steve, who I'm great, great friends with, and um, that was a rare case where I was in the audience. I had such a good time, and then watching it again, it was like, oh man, this shit is so good. It yeah, was so so good. It held up. I really regret not going to that. I remember uh, it was at the uh, Dynasty. 
Dynasty, yeah. Oh, well, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen too many more specials since then. Uh, uh, albums? I saw, I, Any albums? Um, no, uh, no, I, I, I didn't listen. I haven't listened to the Eliza Skinner yet. That's on, on deck this week. I usually go running, uh, and then I listen to albums and a lot of specials, right. but last week was just such a hell zone. Everything's like been put off for a week. So, I mean, I get it, dude. I get it. <laughs> I absolutely understand. I mean, like that's, you know, when the George Floyd got murdered, I mean, so much of comedy took even more time off. I mean, you know, we were kind of just hanging in there doing stuff online and then everybody took a pause because it just felt weird to even do it yeah i know i i mean i've gotten to the point now you know my twitter i'll still talk about getting fucked or fucking and then the next one i'll retweet some GoFundMe for you know uh unhoused or unhoused neighbors so it's gotten to the point now where it's so absurd that it's like ah who gives a shit so i am anxious to start writing zoom comedy and writing jokes like this again because I don't know what it's going to look like, um, but I know how to write a joke, so we'll see. <laughs> hey, I will say in attending a number of Zoom mics, that still has you ahead of the curve. <laughs> Man, dude, <I> know. <laughs> you know the funny thing about Zoom mics, and I've said this on the pod before, but um, outside of them being on Zoom, they're just like open mics, man. They're just right. as terrible. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing, too. I've I've been hesitant to start doing video content but um before the the fall the pandemic um i was going to turn our, our other bedroom into a podcast studio right and we finally said all right fuck it we'll turn it into a video podcast studio right. and so we're almost done with that cool. and uh, i'm going to start like within the next couple of weeks pivoting to a lot of video content which i don't know how to do yet i'm not good at yet right. but to me if we're going to be stuck i do think stand-up kind of the idea of going to mics and doing that kind of stuff is going to be it's going to be at least another year so yeah. i'm like well i might as well get good at this thing and we do know too that this is a real way to make a living from comedy also which oh, yeah. stand-up has never provided so no. No. Yeah. <laughs> it is truly like one percenters and then everybody else yeah and it's going to be worse after oh, this yeah. too yeah so yeah. you uh luisa diaz and do you do you listen to why you mad no you got to start listening, right. right? It's Luisa Diaz, who I think is one of the... It should be if it's Luisa. I didn't yeah, know. it's one. I think it, she's one of the most brilliant comedy minds we have right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jake Flores. And they come at comedy from a philosophical and, like, socialist, anti-capitalist point of view. Right. And uh, she does... She always talks about it that everything's going to be bumped down. If you were able to do uh, stadiums or, theater, or theaters before... Now you're going to be headlining clubs just because it's going to be safer and the only thing. So everything's going to be bumped down. So we're even more fucked than we were before. Right. Not to mention like, all right, so drive-in shows are safe. That's the safest one. That's only sustainable for like mega headliners, man. The, the overhead for a drive-in show is so insane that like you need to have the draw of somebody really big to make it worth your while. Like you can't do showcase shows for drive-ins. <laughs> and also it's, it's about to get cold. So mm -hmm. once it, once winter hits, you can't do it at all, no matter who you are. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute. Um, I will say uh, two, two uh, sort of specials that I came across. Um, they were really great. I just want to highlight really quickly. Maria Bamford did this like audible special called you are in parentheses, a comedy special 
um, which was, I mean, technically it's a self-help guide about how to do an hourly comedy, but Maria being Maria, it's very absurd. It's very about herself. It's very meta and self-aware. It's very hilarious. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's more of like going to Maria's mind and how she does comedy the only, as the only person who does it the way she does it. Did you listen to it? Oh, yeah. Uh, how long is it? It's like two hours. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get that. And it's the price of a book, probably? Yeah, one credit. on Audible. Yeah, just like whatever book credit is. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, Maria is, to my knowledge, the only stand-up comedian in history that will work on her hour with one person at a cafe. <laughs> but like, do your act to a, a fan. I mean, she's a real, she's a god. Um, yeah. And, you know, her and her husband took uh, took some young Latino boys under their wing years ago. And, oh, yeah. Um, they, uh, she Shout would out sporadic- to Vince Lewis. Yeah, Vince and Luis. And uh, they would, um, she would go to her mic, to their open mic. And now it was previously at, at Mia's Coffee, or mm-hmm. I mean Mia's Hot Dog Stand. Right, but I, I, she would, her, she would go, and her husband would do it too. Her right. husband Scott's very funny. Right. Um, but I, I remember one time being at a mic at Mia's, and then she came, and this was right after um, Scott's mom died, and um, she would do this act out on. I don't know, a couple of specials ago, she would do the act out where she acts out her mom talking mm-hmm. to Scott, her husband's mom. Right. And uh, I remember watching that for years, and then, but this particular open mic, I remember. It was right after Scott's mom died and she just did a set as Scott's mom and, and at, did a Q and a and had everybody ask her questions. And she was just doing jokes as his mom, like, wow. Oh, what do you think of Maria? And she was like, well, uh, you know, she's fine enough looking. She's not as good as the uh, Oriental girl he dated in college, just like stuff like that. <laughs> and it, you could see Scott was like tearing up and I started to tear up because it was like, Oh, this is such a sweet, thing that maria is doing for her husband like and this is this will never happen again but it was her just saying i'm comforting my husband because his mom died and it it was like one of those times where i'm like fuck only in los angeles do we get to be in a stupid outdoor hot dog restaurant watching maria bamford pour her heart out through uh um (laughs) an impression (laughs) to to her husband's dead mom i mean it was such a cool los angeles like open mic comedy experience that i'll never forget to me she's a god she's so authentically herself i can't wait to read this book man yeah or listen to it yeah it's great it's really really great and uh i mean as with everything that maria does inspiring um ted alexandro uh came out with an hour special that was basically stitched together from sets that he did at helium portland the comedy cellar in the village underground and they really stitched it together really well where it flows pretty nicely like he just did the same hour at each venue and it works oh man i forgot that came out i, I planned on watching that this past weekend but yeah it's on yeah, youtube I, to stream for free yeah all those guys uh let's see Joe List, uh, Sam, Morell, and uh, Norman all put out those YouTube things. I guess it's the way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, rather than kind of dilly-dallying around to see if someone's going to make an offer and go back and forth, you just put it out there. And, um, I mean, you know, I think they've done – I know Norman's uh, Out to Lunch has done really well on YouTube. I mean, it's gotten, you know, several hundred – Oh, I think it went over a million. 
Yeah, Morales is over three million now. I think I don't know what yeah. it is exactly. So I guess, and those are all touring guys. So I guess the plan was supposed to be we'll put this out and then we'll make money when we go tour. But right. I, but those guys, I think they're all touring. Yeah. Um, the you know Taylor Tomlinson just sold out like fifteen shows over in Philly for this past weekend and this next week coming up. So but doing like drive-ins or something. No, she's uh the punchline in Philly set up. It looked like a really nice outdoor thing. So, so I know she like literally sold out, I think 12 or 13 shows. They just kept selling out. So I guess Taylor's moving to Philly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that'll be an interesting thing to see is like, you know, you mentioned that Rogan and the cult of Rogan is going to Austin. And then a lot of comedians that we know uh, moved out of LA or New York. And I mean, effectively the city's emptying out and a lot of people who managed to stay, I mean, there's room when things come back, if they're around, do you think people will step up? Um, I, I don't know. You know, it's so hard to guess in the next, year what everything's gonna look like i'm gonna give i'm from here you know just like you're from here um i'll give la a few more years to make a living i've just finished my pilot so i'm pivoting to kind of more things where i can get a job i'll give it a few more years and then i might move to philly my favorite set of cousins live in philly Um, and my youngest cousin or one of my younger cousins who's 30 she just bought a house there a nice house for $180,000. Whoa. Yeah, so to me, uh, as much as I love L.A., and L.A. really does have my heart, mm-hmm. um, the idea of being able to buy a home for $180,000 and live in a, a city like Philly, which silly, Philly is one of my favorite cities of all time. Right. With, and I, with some of my favorite cousins, and then just going over and, and being a big part of that Philly scene, that sounds like fun to me too. So Yeah, and New York isn't too far. That's what I'm saying. It, being over on the East Coast – I've never left because of the chatterbox. I've never, just like you, you know, we started here and we didn't understand how shitty it was to start here until it was too late. Right. And, um, but well, people told uh, me, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I, my setup has always been so good here. I've always worked at the chatterbox right. for two nights a week and that's been able to cover my nut. So, you know, I've, I've my, the past 10, 13 years of my life, have been pretty good. I'm, I'm like living like a European in a lot of ways. So, and my family's all here, my nephew's here. So there's no really been real reason to go, but I, I, if, if it's, if this town won't start paying me a living wage and within a couple of years, I'll go buy a house in Philly and go have a blast out there. See what that's like. Right. That sounds nice. I mean, I, I hear you on that. I feel like a lot of people are on the fence about that. I feel like, I don't know, I, I don't believe in fate or destiny, but I feel like I'm just intrinsically tied to L.A. Um, in terms of living. Now, I think after the pandemic ends, I, I mean, I, I'm a restless soul, and I think I just need to hop around a bunch of, like, I, I was kind of averaging one festival a year outside of L.A., and I think that's just not going to have to stand. I think I have to like leave town at least once or twice a month after. That's for some reason or another. Um, I think you'll have, uh, I mean, just like me too. That, that's kind of the reason why I would also want to leave is I do love this scene. I love this town. I have the respect and love of my peers here. But I think, you know, 
it's like the city. I don't know if the city will ever respect me because we're from here. Even Jesus, ta- even Jesus talks about it and says uh, that, uh, you know, no man is really expected in his home, respected in his hometown. <laughs> so I've started here. There's people who are judging me based on my like two years into the comedy still. And right. it's like, well, you know, I've been doing it 10 now. Uh, right. I know when I go to other cities, they love me too. So right. there's part of me that would want to do that too. Uh, we'll see. I do have faith that I, I, I'm going to get a job in the industry somehow, right. uh, whether it be writing or podcasting or anything taken off in the next few years. So, I mean, I'm just talking. We're just talking here, Jake. But sure. uh, I, I would absolutely, if I could make a living, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't dream of buying a house, but comics do. They end up doing it uh, in Highland right. Park. That would be like the wildest fantasy because I do love Los Angeles. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy here generally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as far as living is concerned, you would have to pay me a lot of money to not live here. Like if, if <laughs> I were able to, uh, like afford a giant loft in New York and never have to take the subway, like at a afford cab, so like <laughs> I consider it, but that's so much money. No way. I want to move to a smaller city, I, a city like Philly, you know, something outside of Atlanta, something like that, where, you know, these scenes are, you know, kind of cracking. But I need some people of color around me, too. I went to Denver, arguably one, arguably the best comedy scene in the country right now. Uh, and I made good money and I was able to headline a bunch of shows. Right. But, um, man, that shit's a little too white for me. Sure. And uh, they're a little too conservative. Sure. You know, once I start talking about giving old men blowjobs, you know, <laughs> I, I see a see glaze a glaze go over people's eyes, and I'm like, yeah. oh come on, it was great. Yep, you're with me this far. Why do you got to go back like it's you know 30 years ago or something? <laughs> well, they're they're doing the, you know a lot of these places. It's nice enough that they accept me for being Mexican, right. let alone so you know I, it's my fault for pushing my luck. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, see, the thing is, I spent a good deal of my life in small towns, so I don't ever want to do that again. Um, I'm just a big city person, you know? Um, I, do, I don't, I, I need just the, I guess, chaotic, hectic energy of a big city. Yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. I do think we, you know, the economic downturn mm-hmm. might work to the advantage where it, it's, it will clean out a lot of people. Sure. Uh, hopefully not poor people, but a lot of people who, you know, have been doing comedy for a few years and they probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. And uh, I hopefully those people go home, make things a little bit cheaper. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know what we're dealing with. Just like I'm talking about, about the store. We don't know what the store is going to look like. We have yeah. no idea what, what Los Angeles comedy is going to look like in two years. Nobody uh, does, man. I mean, anything can happen. Anything again? I mean, the store is like having people perform in the lobby of the original room while people sit outside. Uh, there was, I remember the improv thinking about setting up something in their patio, but they don't know about that. Um, you know, people are trying a bunch of things, uh, and some of it is not so safe. <laughs> or the, the, yeah, or they're just skirting around the laws and they'll try to convince me that they're doing it safely and I don't buy it. But yeah, no, no, no one, if I knew exactly what it was going to be, I would be able to make a lot more money, but I, I don't. Um, I, just, I, I, I do hope that when we come back that there's some way um, 
economically that we can figure out a way to pay people better yeah. because it's been it's bad and if there was a way to even pay performers fifty dollars a show right. which is it you're not going to make you know a living per se on that right. but i just think uh we've been getting fucked for so long by a lot of these clubs and even um even a, a lot of people just need to get used to paying for things again right. and you know that's going to be hard when we're in such a bad economic times but right maybe people will respect the live experience more once it starts to come back and be willing to pay 10 bucks a show. Right. And I think in this time I've seen, I think performers are valuing their talent, their um, goods, so to speak uh, more. I mean, I keep thinking about like shows where people get like paid off of doing Instagram live. And it's like, that's nowhere near what the live experience is like, but people are realizing and i keep repeating this i mean people are realizing oh man you comics are you guys you guys are actually broke like i thought you weren't <laughs> i thought this was all like you know you wrote it and it was like really clever like you really hard up and you're like living with three people and well yeah to- I, yeah i was talking to jonathan Rowell about this the other day mm-hmm. i have different friends they'll come by and we'll just talk in the front of my apartment complex and you know, if we could even, um, granted, we don't put in the work uh, of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the, God, what's the fucking, what are the performers that dress up like women, glammed up? Oh, uh, drag? Drag. Yeah. He, he, he's very much plugged into that community. And he was right. saying, a drag performer won't fucking put on their clothes for less than a hundred bucks. And uh, people are used to paying that money. Like I said, though, granted they put in the work, they they have much more overhead than a standup because of all the clothing and makeup and stuff. But comics, I mean, we'll never combine together because we're all such losers and out for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but we do need to come together more and start to like, geez, I'm going to say have self-respect, but that's never going to (laughs) happen. But honestly, just start being like, we need to raise our standards a little more so that for each other, that we can start to try to scrape together a living, even if it's a few hundred bucks a month. Yeah, man. You know, like, I think a lot of people are going to draw a line the sand of like, if I'm going to have to drive more than 20 minutes, like drink tickets aren't going to cut it. Yeah, I've gotten to the place now where I was saying like, you got to pay me even this is before the pandemic i would say if you if you want me to perform on a saturday night i need some combination of 50 bucks and a half hour of time or something like that right so i'm not going for a 10 minute spot like i'm not driving to orange county for a fucking 10 minute spot right and especially saturday night you gotta pay me 50 bucks i don't care if it's gonna come out of your pocket or what i don't need to know i'm just i'm tired of giving up my saturday nights for some fucking loser experience oh so, sure you know, I think uh, there is power in no, and I do think that when we come back from this, if, if everyone's not so desperate mm-hmm. in, in the worst sense that they'll start saying no to things and, and care about their mental health, health more and about being happy. Right. Man, happy. Comics being happy. What a world, huh? <laughs> So uh, let's let's imagine like whenever the chatterbox comes back, uh, wh- how do you think you'd run it going forward? Well, it depends on what the laws say. Um, if they open chatterbox is a strict bar, 
Uh, I mean, it's that's the bar. Their license is they're able to serve beer, alcohol, liquor, and all of it. So we're not connected to any food stuff. So unless they pass a law that allows us to kind of like join with the food truck, which some places have, um, then we can't open until they let bars open. I don't see that happening anytime in 2020. Right. Um, Hopefully when we come back, if they allow us to open up outside, we have a parking lot that's big enough and a nice size that we can section it off and do shows outside. I'm I'm absolutely open to this. I'm going to start an outdoor show regardless of if if it's at the chatterbox or not uh, in 2021, that'll be enough time out. So, um, you know, it's so funny when you read the reports about where it actually spreads the most and they're like, Oh yeah. Small cramped spaces where people are laughing and talking loud. And I'm mm-hmm. like, is God just trying to stop stand up comedy? It's like laugh out loud funny. Right. Uh, but yeah, that that's the plan is hopefully we'll be back by 2021 and then um, we'll have a full stage outdoors and right. do all that. And we have such a strong uh, audience connection right. with everyone that, I know that we'll have a great audience in that. Even though it's outdoors, we'll right. get cooking really quick with the help, of course, my other producers, Lisa Chanu, Scott Lures, and Julia Loken. So. Right. That's cool, man. I, I mean, definitely everybody keep uh, uh, watch out for that. I mean, I certainly will keep people in the loop for that. But um, also, Covina is its own city, and it's not even it's not, is that tech, it's not even L.A. County, right? It's L.A. County. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. so that – people kind of are trying to skirt the rule. So LA has different rules and the County has rules. You have to check with the Covina laws, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's basically once they let us open up. So there we're as a, as a straight up bar, we don't have any to, to go food, like things that we food to go that we can kind of get around. There's nothing like that. So right. when they let us open up my, uh, my unemployment, even my regular unemployment is just about to run out. I think I have one more, thing they might extend republicans are putting forth a bill today so they might extend it but i'm ready to go back to work i i love people i love my job even bartending i love stand-up and so i'm that's why in a lot of ways we're going on six months i'm like this this fucking blows so most of the time i'm pretty upbeat and positive but Mm -hmm. i love people and i love seeing them so i'm you know I'll put I'll put my life at risk. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not for stand up because because the uh, you know the the community that I've chosen to associate with are very they're very scared still and you know and rightfully so about masks and stuff. But yeah. in all my podcasts, I'm saying like you know guys that vaccine ain't coming. Any if, even if the vaccine comes, twenty percent of our country ain't going to take it. Twenty percent right. uh, of, of our country is never going to wear masks. This thing's not going away soon. I do think we're looking at two years, a year minimum. So to me, it's like you could keep trying to say just stay home and do that stuff. But I'm also like, this is no way to live. I'm becoming more and more miserable. I'm a pretty forward thinking person, but Mm -hmm. I can't imagine there's, you know, these people aren't breaking the law. A lot of them are idiots, but a lot of them are just desperate to be around people. We're still animals. Oh, and yeah. We're still so sad that, oh, yeah. you know, the beaches are packed, but there's also blackouts. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's just people are trying to stay cool. There's all this thinking about all, with the pandemic. But to me, it's also like, all right, but let's start taking some fucking calculated risks. Uh, right. I think being outdoors, because I've been to so many protests, they, as long as you're wearing masks, it seems to be okay. Yeah, and you stay distant for the most part from people. 
yeah, do do your best to stay distant, but calculated risk it is it isn't just like it's to be happy and not want to die also. So right. it's not like I have, you know, Zed Kutzinger who's does views for me and the male gaze and he's so hardcore about it and I'm like, "Zed, you can't keep this up for a couple of years, man. Like mm-hmm. you've got to, you know, as long as you're you pick your few people that they're safe, you know, right. I think it's going to be okay." Obviously, Hey man, stay, be as careful as you need to be. I don't want you to die. I don't, you know, don't listen to me, man. Yeah. I don't want your fucking death, on, life, your death on my shoulders. Yeah, man. People keep trying to tell me about mics they want to run or stuff that's indoors. And I look, I hold a, I feel like I hold a great responsibility in spreading information to people. And I don't want to unnecessarily put people in danger if I don't have to. Um, and this has come from, uh, look, man, this is, every minute of this is killing me. I was out more than almost anybody. Yeah. I, I never took nights off. Um, I only, I get so much of my self-care from being at comedy, gathering with people, meeting new people. Um, and I haven't had any of that, really, um, this whole time. And uh, it sucks. Just stuck in that little apartment of yours, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I still dress up every day. I cook and all that. Like, I didn't just dress up for this. <laughs> I still dress up every day. Man, that is so funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Jake. It does suck. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm not like so, but I understand what's at risk. I mean, I still like, I. I've been finding out that I've been doing way more than most people. I mean, I, I go to protests. Like, I eat it like. When I have my handful of restaurants that I think are safe, and I go when it's not crowded, doing alfresco, um, I go check my PO box every day. <laughs> yeah, I try to see at least one person a week. We'll go to a park. I mean, I couldn't last week because it was too hot, but yeah. we'll go to a park and you know talk talk for a couple hours, and I'll see right. different friends like that, right. and that helps keep me sane. But you mm-hmm. know, generally. Being unemployed for six months and not being able to do stand-up is just like, it's just fucking rough. I'm not even a worrier. I'm still not worried about this thing. But um, just the idea where you're like, what am I alive for? You know, it's like, I don't have any meaning right now. And you just have to tell yourself and remind yourself, this is just for the time being. This isn't your whole life. This is just, you've got to remember that everything's going to be okay within a year or so. Yeah, um, that's, you know, <laughs> what we have to tell ourselves. But, man, that year could not feel any slower, you know? It's only been six months. Even when I talk oh. about 2021, that's four months, almost double what we've experienced, which feels like a lifetime. Right. So this is going to be – this is a fucking – and I'm lucky I don't, you know, I don't experience uh, any chemical imbalance or anxiety or anything like that. Right. I can't imagine uh, – you know, I haven't drank in almost two years. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine – uh, if I was drinking still the way I was drinking, what this time would have been like. So, you know, we have a lot of comics that have struggles with um, chemical de- dependency that are like losing their minds out there. It's, it's yeah. really a rough time right now. So, you know, the fact that we got a place to stay and we were able to eat and then you and I are able to podcast. Thank God for technology. You know, I, I don't know without my three podcasts that I'm doing right now, Right. I don't even know if I'd be doing as well as I'm doing. I'm able to connect still, and I have these little yeah. projects. So, yeah, I feel, the, uh, yeah, I feel really lucky. 
<laughs> you have like a scheduled thing to connect with people. And I think that's so important. Speaking of your podcast, religion, movies, and masculinity. How are those holding up in 2020? <laughs> it's great. Uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm closer to, I've got like a big idea for like really doing a God thing. I, ha I hadn't felt the presence of God in my life, I would say the thing I used to call God when I was a minister, right. um, I hadn't felt that in so long, uh, but the black life matter stuff. Um, I think I, I had felt that again. I just listening to all these women, uh, black women speak at the BLM events and, and they're, a, they're a spiritual organization. They don't back down from that right. talking about a God of justice and love and fairness. And right. so that to me is like, it's awoken, it's awakened something in me that I haven't felt in a long time. So I do feel like I've got a pretty big God project in me coming up pretty soon, probably in the new year. Julie and I were just talking about it more. Um, so I am excited about that. I, I wonder what it's going to be like to go back and read the Bible and kind of dissect it and, and with an adult mind, someone who's not like brainwashed into the cult, what it's going to be like. Because I do think that, that the Bible... Uh, has a lot to offer still. And I, I think it's kind of, I think it'll be hilarious too, to kind of reexamine all that stuff with the yeah. mind that I have now. So I'm excited about that stuff. You know, movies kind of views, it's kind of rough because there's not too much new stuff coming out. Right. Did you watch the new Charlie Kaufman? Uh, I was going to. Um, funny thing about that. Um, so I'm going to watch it tomorrow because me and my roommate like have pizza every Wednesday. That's sort of our thing she uh, likes being um she gets a lot out of eating in communally so we do that every wednesday and she wanted to watch the movie together um and so i'm gonna do that tomorrow and i uh that i know that charlie kaufman wrote that without any idea of who i am or what i'm going through but that trailer if you notice <laughs> starts off with this woman who's like oh i my boyfriend, Jake, I have such a special connection. I think I'm going to end things. And that, in, in this time, they hit me like, fuck you. I don't need to hear this right now. Oh, that's great, man. That's really funny. It's, uh, it's heavy. So did you see Schenectady, New York? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's heavier than that movie. Really? Yeah. So, which I, I think that movie is a masterpiece. I think this movie is close to a masterpiece especially about someone i mean i know you watch a lot of movies too so if you have a, a pretty big film um if, uh, if you know about film and literature mm -hmm. and stuff it, there's a lot there i i got almost a headache because it's so dense oh, I think sure. I'm gonna, yeah we're reviewing it this week on views so i think i might watch it again after we're done yeah. you and i are done uh, but it, it's very, if you like Charlie Kaufman, it's very, very, very good. If you don't like Charlie Kaufman, you're a normal person. Right. If you don't feel bad about it, and you're probably going to hate this movie. But we right. do like to cover when there's released. It kind of takes a little bit out of, uh, it's not as fun because the, the, the pod views is about going to the movies, right. I think, more than it is about movies. And so, but we have a, a Discord every Wednesday night when you and your roommate are together. And, um, we watch a movie every week and we live chat through it with uh, everybody in the discord. We usually have 20 to 40 people watch movies with us. Some of the, a lot of UCB people, 
a lot of people that just listen to views and they're like so fucking funny when we're watching these movies. I don't even really try to tell jokes in it. I just watch the feed while we're watching the movie. Right. And so things like that, like that uh, Wednesday nights are like a real like views family time that's, that's happened great, because of the pandemic. So I'm really grateful for that podcast. And then the male gaze, I mean, dude, when we started that fucking podcast, we, we had no intentions of it being a news podcast. But uh, we took the first <laughs> no month. one. No one did. No one who started a podcast uh, in the last two years had any idea of being news at all, <laughs> or, like, socially conscious, or anything like that. We just wanted to start like a horny, like not um, uh, just a forward-thinking male podcast where you hear guys talking about, you know, I'm Polly and I'm queer. Where you just hear people who aren't being misogynistic, but also. Uh, like sex and stuff talk too but we want to talk about celebrity stuff and then you know when the pandemic hit we took the first month off and i was like i don't know how we're gonna because i never was like i was like i don't want to report the news we're stupid we're not that smart right like that's not our job but when we came back uh, especially with black lives matter is like you know people need to hear about this stuff so mm -hmm. it's my most fucking there i put so much goddamn work into that podcast jake it's mm -hmm. so, it's so uh, stressful every week because we pick the stories and mm -hmm. then I write out a bunch of stuff and right. then I try to like figure out how I'm going to uh, synthesize this information and right. let it flow. But luckily, you know, Alan Strickland Williams, Brody Reed and Zed Kutzinger, those guys are some of the funniest, smartest guys around. So we have a great time. We, we've each take a, a, a week off like once a month. So we're able right. to bring uh, women guests. We just, this week's episode, we had the, Editor-in-chief of The Land magazine, Jen Swan. Jen Swan. One of yes. the people that bothered to interview me <laughs> for LA Weekly. Thank goodness. Yeah, Jen Swan's. Oh, you know, was it Jen? Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess that was her years ago. That's so funny. I just put some things together. But um, yeah, Jen's, uh, you know, she's so wonderful. And The Land magazine is so cool. So we are trying to integrate a lot of more activists. It's become a socialist podcast in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, because it's that's cool. what, you know, is going on right now, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I, I wasn't like this before. I was like always democratic and uh, a liberal and shit, but all this stuff has really opened my eyes to how I was asleep at the wheel. I mean, yeah. you know, the LA city council is full of Democrats who are just sucking off big business in the police union. So, oh, yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, and that's my fault. It's other people's fault that we weren't good citizens. So I am grateful for this movement to, to wake me up and to show me that um, life isn't a, just about the entertainment industry, that this industry in a lot of ways is mostly bullshit and that yeah. the, mo the important things are the comedy community, this, these relationships I've built, and um, make and watching out for people with less than me. So yeah, yeah. And so that that is the crux of the male gaze podcast now. <laughs> yeah, it's is still uh, it's still pretty horny. I mean, you can't have a podcast without me and Alan and it not being horny. It's funny. Bro Brody and Zed are both pretty monogamous, and Brody even really makes impassioned pleas. Like, so you know, there's some girls out there that try to. DM me with like pictures and stuff. Don't you better cut it out. I don't like that shit. And I'll, like, send it to me, okay? I'll take them. I'll take all of them. I I have in a lot of ways non uh, monogamously uh, written myself into a corner though because I do think although I am starting to get subtraction in that area, I mm -hmm. do think that women love how me and Julia are so much online, and that's my fault. 
right. and were very online. I put up pictures and jokes and everything that right. they were like, I don't want to break up that happy home. But luckily, there are women out there that are getting desperate enough that they're <laughs> willing to break up the home and start DM me. And you guys are the real heroes, I think, in this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, you know, not all heroes wear capes, right? Um, oh, sometimes they just DM, and I appreciate it, ladies. Yeah, that's very, that's very, very nice. Yeah, part of why I that Charlie Kaufman movie, like when I saw that trailer, I going through like my first heartbreak in this fucking pandemic, and I am not handling it well. When did you guys break up? Well, it was like it's a weird. We weren't even uh, uh, technically official, although I found out like later that she was thinking that we were kind of boyfriend girlfriend and then the distance and the cultural upheaval and her talking to me less and all this sort of led to um it built up to a head of where there was a bunch of things that she wasn't telling me that she wanted to tell me and then like uh didn't tell me out of like out of oh i was worried that it might feel like an attack or something and then um yeah she sent me this very long uh incendiary message i think mischaracterized me a lot and uh i haven't heard from her since and that was like two and a half months ago oof i'm sorry jake and i mean you can't even process it correctly because we're just stuck in our homes That's i know i and like i i understand that the what you're supposed to do is move on and deal like but you there's none of that you can do you just have to sit in de detention and fucking think about it yeah i mean we're fucked um but it's yeah, I was I was messaging Jonathan sort of Ralph. just last night he messaged me and we were talking and he, mm -hmm. and I was like, Yeah, I gotta I gotta fuck somebody soon. And he's like, Me too. And he's like, But Steve, you gotta be very careful. And I was like, Oh no, I'm willing to get a test and to do all the things. And he's like, People will get you know, Jonathan's gay. He's like, People will get a test for sex. I was like, Yeah, you can do that. And he's like, Gay guys are trash, they won't do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Really? After the whole AIDS epidemic? No, I mean, gay guys are. Guys, they just want to fuck, man. So the idea of like... I they're mean, still guys. Is, yeah, they're still guys. They don't give a shit. They're like, you know, yeah, they just want to fuck. They don't want to have to put in work or anything like that. So, uh, you yeah. know, forgive me, Jonathan, if I wasn't supposed to say that, I don't think he has any problem with me saying that, but, I, I, it's, you know, it's still his <laughs> Fuck. Hey, somebody take a test and fuck my friend Jonathan, huh? Right. Oh my god! Well, yeah, I mean that's the other part of it. All, all we're sort of left. I already hated online dating um, beforehand, and that's sort of all of what you're left with in terms of trying to meet anybody. And uh, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's so stuck, and nobody feels sexy or attractive. But you know, it is, it is. Get get out there, Jake. I wouldn't tell that to everyone, but I, I think you'd. Excel like talking on the phone and doing phone time phone. Uh, what do they call it when you see each other on the phone? FaceTime, FaceTime stuff. Yeah, just go and do that. Meet somebody. People want to just have a friend that they like and they want to feel attractive. So stop robbing these women of your attention. <laughs> what is that? What I've been doing? Yeah. See, you got to think about it like that. I I don't I don't know I I mean so I mean like I had not even been in a relationship until uh, last November. And that was like my first one. And, you know, the idea of me being attractive or a sexual being or whatever, that's all still sort of new to me. 
Yeah, I think I feel that way with um, guy with men. Uh, I am queer. I do like to have sex with men, but but I haven't had sex with a guy since I've been sober. So it's I think I'm at like a year and nine months now. So it's going on two years. I haven't. Um, I I had had sex with guys before, um, but I haven't like I don't know how to date a man, and right. so the idea for me like learning right now during the pandemic, that's like absolutely nothing what I want to do. Right. Like, uh, because the learning curve for even having sex and doing all that stuff, uh, to me is sound, sounds so frightening that, uh, I'm like, I'm just not even prepared to do that right now. It just sounds so in, intimidating and anxiety inducing. So I guess I know where you're coming from. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's my first one and it's happening at this time. And it's just, uh, all I know is that uh, I'm just going to be sad for a long time and I just have to do all this stuff that doesn't make me feel good, but it gets me through the day. Do not watch that Charlie Kaufman movie. Jake. <laughs> do, do not watch that movie. Oh my God. Why? <laughs> it's very, very sad. And it, it, it talks about a lot of the stuff that we're talking, but it is very sad. And it's like, do not watch that movie. If you're sad. That's well, look, I've just been watching sad. In fact, not only I've been watching just sad stuff, but I've been like dancing to sad music. That's like, I've been dancing every day for like cardio and I've, a lot of the music I've been dancing to has just been straight up sad. And I guess my dancing has just been whatever I think interpretive dancing is. So what, uh, what kind of, give me some, give me some names. What kind of sad music are you dancing to? Um, I mean, you know, recently, I mean, I even danced to York recently, but like blood orange, um, Cali Uchis, uh, not any of the, fun poppy stuff the sort of sad i mean there's so many songs she has about being alone <laughs> you know yeah uh, yeah um baby uh baby rose have you heard of baby rose i have heard of baby rose She's great but it's so sad yeah i mean this is the process especially you know it sucks uh, that you're doing this stuff so late in life but i remember when the first time i got my heart broken and it just takes a while. And it just, you know, that's what's, I think about having sex for the first time, uh, you know, at 16 or 17 and uh, how, what a, it sucks. You shouldn't be doing it because you're too young, but there is a part of you that is stupid enough to not realize like what a big deal it is. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think that's a comfort of youth. Uh, like when my heart got broken the first time by Chrissy Gill in eighth grade, Right. It was so bad, but I was also like a kid. I didn't know any better to, right. to have your heart broken as an adult. You're like, man, I'm just going to be sad for a while. And you just have to live with that. And that, sir, is why I, I have a drinking problem. I can't drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a pesky sort of like, I guess, safety valve to me where I like I can't. I mean, look, I'm still fucking wear a fancy ass hat you know and i get out of um, well that's not healthy either i think i sleep on average of three to four hours a, day, a night but um i still like work out every day i mean i take care of myself as much as i can because i feel like I, there's just something in me like you have to do this you can't not do this i i, I know it's not going to make you feel any better but you have to like you've got the you, you you've got the right idea i mean uh you know what 
I'm, I'm afraid to go running again in this with the smoke quality, but right. I'm going to start again tonight just because last week it was so hot. You couldn't really do it. And I just felt miserable. You got to get moving. You got to get your body uh, feeling good. There's all these natural endorphins that we knew. That's what I mean. Even doing Zoom shows, it's not the same as stand up. But I remember you would f- finish the Zoom show and mm-hmm. you still felt pretty good. Like just right. physiologically, your body still gave you all the shit that it usually gives you. Right. It's not the same, but I was like, oh, I'm still pretty juiced. I like this. Right. So that's what I'm looking forward to performing on Saturday and, and all these Zoom shows still. I'm doing, uh, I'm on the Boulder show this Sunday. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, we've got to try to maintain uh, some set sense of normalcy and some sense of routine right. uh, or else, um, you know, or else we're just going to be sad. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been telling. I mean, I've been telling people even before the pandemic about this, but if you ever see me out and about in a t-shirt and jeans, that's when you really have to worry. <laughs> you know, I saw a comic. I'm not going to say who. Whenever you bump into someone at the store or you just see someone out, I mean, it's a, it's still jarring even when we see each other at a protest, but at least you're kind of expected. But I saw a comic at the store Mm-hmm. And uh, we both had masks on, and I was like, "Oh, hey!" And she she was like, "Hey!" And I was like, "Hmm." Like I forgot how to like be smooth and to talk and everything. <laughs> uh-huh. And also, I was like, "I don't think I was like I don't know if you want to talk right now." Like right. Uh, she did seem a little stunned, and uh, you know, it's Trader Joe's at eight thirty p.m. or something like that. So maybe she didn't want to talk, but it was just like. Oh, man, we were both. I said, hey, it's great to see you. I'll see you on the other side. I'll see you soon. And she was like, right. it's good to see you, too. But, yeah, man, we, we, I think this thing's going to screw us up in ways that we're not. But, you know, we bounce back. Human beings bounce back, too. But I think those first couple of months out again are going to be pretty weird. Oh, yeah, man. I feel like my current prediction is that the first week back is going to be like, this combination of new year's and Mardi Gras and like people are just going to overdo it. (laughs) Really going to overdo it. Um, Yeah. I do feel like depending on how this, all of it goes, I do feel like 2021 is going to become kind of like the roaring twenties in a lot of ways that, uh, Oh, just, I mean, the the thing, same thing happened in the Spanish flu. That's what it begat. So I do think, there is going to be a while after this where everyone's going to be like, I can't believe we're still alive. And even if there is a danger in the pandemic still, it's like, fuck it. Let's be alive and let's be crazy. And right. so that might be fun if you make it through. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, that's the, that's the tagline for now. Yeah, <laughs> um, where, so do you see your, the, your podcasts like uh, how they've changed you think that they're going to stay that way or are, you, are they going to come back the, the way that you would originally conceive them after the pandemic ends no I don't you know I like ever the way everything's changed I'm starting my fourth and final podcast mm-hmm. I think within the, ne- in the next couple of weeks it's going to be called uh, put it in my mouth with Steve Hernandez mm-hmm. that strong video component mm-hmm. um, and what's that about uh, I, it's just going to be an interview podcast. I don't, mm-hmm. don't think, um, nothing crazy, but I just miss talking to people. All, all oh, my sure. podcasts kind of have a, a hook and mm-hmm. like, even who's your God. Once we interview you once, we're never going to do it again. So right. there's so many people I miss talking to. And I do know so many writers and sketch people 
and uh, right and uh, movie or television people that I can't really get on any of my other podcasts. That right. that'll be fun to just interview. So I guess it's going to be kind of like a lefty Joe Rogan podcast. Sure, um, I love Rogan. Uh, I love Rogan for a while. Uh, I I just uh, because he interviewed so many different kinds of people, but he's got just such a blind spot for black people. And he has a blind spot for women. And I, I, don't, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's trying his best. But, you know, I just can't really, like, I, I listened to the, the last time Tim Dillon was on, and it was, like, really rough, too. He just mm-hmm. keeps, de- de- he keeps kind of defending the power structures. And mm-hmm. a lot of those power structures are inherently racist. So oh, sure. what, whether or not he, like, chooses to admit it, mm-hmm. like, he is being racist on a structural level. I don't, sure. think, he, I don't think he has hate in his heart. But I don't think he can see. I mean, he's fucking, he's in his 50s. A lot yeah. of these guys, you know, when you're talking about Chappelle and trans stuff, Chappelle's 50, basically. So yeah. it's like, you know, they're going to have these blind spots. I, personally, I wish they would grow past them. But, right. you know, it's, 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 I think it's asking a lot sometimes. And, um, you know, as long as you're not breaking any laws or sexually assaulting any women or um, being pervs with 17-year-old women, um, you know, I, I can still allow them in my life. I know everyone's just trying to do their best. Right. It is It is sort of sad to see the, I mean, like I understand them being older, but I think now more than ever, the power structures and how inherently uh, racist and oppressive they are is more transparent than they ever have been before. Like it's more clear, like you can just see it. Like people don't even really have to explain it anymore. Yeah, I mean, except that there is... You know, uh, I'm, I used to be a minister. I grew up evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. There is something to me that's very like, uh, I'm, I'm always trying to see the other side too. And um, I have people that I love or have conservative views, not as bad as Trump or anything. Right. But, you know, when I watch these cops going crazy and stuff, I also know there's a human element that if I'm a conservative person, I would be like, you know, they're, they're getting like yelled at, they're getting, of course, they're going to act this way. So that's what I can see a conservative person saying that about the police. Why, how anyone could say that having um, civilian oversight over cops, there's like things like that where like, what's the argument against that? That I don't understand. Like, why shouldn't they, hey, just let them be held accountable for murdering someone. Let mm-hmm. them go to court for murdering someone. Right. And then they're still like, ah, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I talk about this on a lot of my podcasts, but I'm just saying, I do think the idea of what cops are in America is so entrenched in the American psyche. I think it's more powerful now than the Christian church. Mm-hmm. I think it is like, it is America. So mm-hmm. the idea for these people, you know, someone like Joe Rogan or something like that to be like, to change all of a sudden... America has worked out pretty well for Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just scored a hundred million dollars <laughs> on Spotify, man. It's worked out the best. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's uh, worked out pretty well for Chappelle. Granted Chappelle on some level might be some kind of genius or any, but he's got, he, he's got a hundred million dollars too. He's made a hundred million on these past four specials too. Right. So to these guys, it takes a, I think it takes a very, very special kind of person to make a hundred million dollars in America and say, you know what? I think I might be wrong in this way. Right. So I don't, I understand that they're not willing to change, but for me, I've got to continually 
you know, that's why I'm launching this pod, this fourth podcast. Right. Uh, there's a lot of video stuff that I plan on being funny, but right. just the people I want to review or interview and talk to. I want to talk to women. I want to talk to more queer people. I want to talk to more black people. Right. Uh, it's just not happening now. You know, you and I kind of fall on the, the East side alternative comedy community in a lot of ways. Sure. And you know, when I started, when we both started, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago, I think it was you, me, John Vargas, there were, there was like not that many Brown people and yeah. there's far more Brown people now. So I, you know, even in our community, I think there's a lot of racism, um, not, and this isn't anything I'm trying to hold over anybody's head. It's just, right how it goes. A lot of it's economic. A lot of these people, um, you know, their parents give them money and they come from that kind of a home. So mm-hmm. they're able to move out here and kind of fake it longer than, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the Chatterbox community and mm-hmm. there's 10 young, young uh, Latinx comics that I'm super proud of that are coming up that are three, four, five years in. But those guys, the idea, you know, I know I did it, but the idea of some of these guys just like, coming out to LA and, and being around and having to talk to some of these fucking people it's like, yep. fuck you. Like they, they don't, th- those people don't allow for a different kind of class to people. Like right. they don't know. I had some of these guys that I dearly love. I said, Hey, you can't say, you know, you can't say you Jew me down or you can't right. say gay. Like I've had to tell them they're not bad people. They just come from a different, they're, we're working class and they come mm-hmm. from a different thing where, it's like, you know, if, if some of these guys come here and call someone gay in like an anonymous way or whatever, they'll get shunned. They'll get canceled. So it's like, I don't think that our community allows for people to make those kind of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think ultimately that's a class thing. So mm-hmm. I want to push forth um, queer, Latino, Latinx, um, and help black people as much too. So that's why I'm launching Put It In My Mouth. Uh, that's going to be really fun. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, and I'll look forward to that. And then, I mean, that, I mean, truly that I think caps off what you could call a podcast empire Four, four of them at the same time. <laughs> I know. I mean, this lot, this, this one, I do have so much time now though, too. I, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I mean, I there's like- just people. I want cool. to talk to John Levenstein. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to like, these are, these are people that are my friends and I'm like, right. I can't fit you in anywhere else. Right. I'm just, I want to talk to you. Hampton. I want to talk to you. Right. Uh, I, I want to talk to, I want to talk to Lacey, um, but Mosley, but I can't mm-hmm. fit you in my fucking podcast. So I got time, baby. I'm going to be, I could be racking these things up. Right. I think you might have more podcasts than Nicole Byer now, man. She, <laughs> it feels like that's all that she does. The difference is that Nicole's making money off of them. So yeah, she her. is. You're not, <laughs> you're not getting paid to watch Star Wars. Yeah, I know. But uh, hopefully one of these days I will be. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. A special limited edition of the, uh, the Views from the Vista where you rewatch the entire Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Oof, that sounds rough. Oh yeah, I'm sure you would have fun. I mean, the way that you restructure with Discord, then it sounds like you know, almost like MSP3K a little bit. Yeah, it's it's really fun, and it's not. I like that you do it on your phone and that it's a chat Mm -hmm. because it's not distracting. There's times when I'm watching the movie, I just put the fucking phone down uh, because I want to watch the movie. But Mm -hmm. it is cool. I'm telling you, those Wednesday nights are so fun. There's it's like so many funny people in there where. I'm like, that's the, we like pick a joke of the night. And it's like, that is so now by this point, now we have so many inside jokes. It's like so fun. That's great, man. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, that, that's about it, man. 
thanks so much for uh, doing this, stopping by the pod. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Um, where uh, can people find you? What else would you like to promote? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Big Hearn and Hernia on Instagram. You know, check out my podcasts. Um, we've talked about them a bunch. You, you'll be able to find them. If you follow me on any of those other threads, I always promote through there too. So, yeah. And then we'll look out for the new pod in the next couple of weeks. Jake, always great talking to you, man. It's good to see you, bud. Good to see you too, man. Um, I'm Jake Kroger. I founded the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com and at the Comedy Bureau across platforms. Uh, this podcast comes out every Wednesday. Um, you know, there are so many great causes that you can support, and I would urge you to support them. And if you still have money and generosity after that, you can help out the Bureau because I do need help still. And um, you can follow me personally at MFJ Kroger on Twitter and at not the supermarket on Instagram. If you wanted to see me dress up like and do stuff, that's where that is. Um, well, do you have anything to say as we sign off? No, this has gone on too long. That's all <laughs> yeah. I have to say. So great. Uh, what a, what a way to end the show is by saying it went too long. I know. I enjoyed it, man. I hope everyone else <laughs> listening uh, did too. Um, Me too. <laughs> I like to say that at the end, the comedy is still happening, and as the great Brody Stevens would say, uh, enjoy it. Tommy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.